We're halfway through the Cannon administration and the Chief Minister is facing some growing pressure to deliver on the promises contained in the glitzy strategy documents and plans. So how does Alf Cannon think he's doing? Is the housing crisis solved? Amy Griffiths caught up with the Chief Minister earlier this month. Is his government succeeding in its objectives? So we're making good progress in terms of delivering on our high-level objectives. And this is a government that has set out a very clear plan for the island uh, and particularly its future economy. Uh, And I think that is really important. Um, And I think that what it has done, it has engaged across government. It's given us clear focus, clear targets, clear priorities. Um, And those headline figures that I talked about in terms of growing the working population, um, delivering more revenue for uh, the Treasury, um, building uh, a more sustainable future in terms of our approach to energy, for example, are all being delivered. So we have got more people now registered for work, 700 or so more people registered for work. We are delivering a greater income stream, as you might um, expect with an increase in the workforce. We are building more houses. I think we're on track to complete the thousand homes that that, that, um, not only complete it, but also exceed it, the thousand targeted homes for this administration. Most of those are being built in in the private sector. Um, And we are on target with our our energy commitments in terms of our renewable energy on island and also in terms of delivering greater uh, energy security for the island in the future. And if we just pick up on some of those points, so you mentioned there growing the workforce, which is at the moment, it is a global issue, particularly within the healthcare industry. And how difficult, how much of a challenge has that been to try and combat that issue? Yeah, so I think what my message at the moment is, and has been as I've been talking to various groups over the last couple of weeks, and they were in another chat on um, Friday with, with, with another group uh, uh, at the Chartered Institute compliance but um, my message really has been we've got to remain focused on our on our big ticket items and we've got to continue to drive forward to achieve those targets I think governments can get bogged down a lot on 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 other issues if we don't retain that high level strategic approach and we are determined to deliver on that we also recognize however in a midterm that there are a lot of issues that potentially um, could detract from from delivering on that and and we do have to overcome that finding the staff to to meet the need the employment needs is one of those issues rising public sector costs in terms of delivery is one of those issues a lack of clarity in some areas around energy policy is one of those issues Um, and of course you know along the way we've also had to deal with a number of economic hiccups, which largely have been outside our control, but nevertheless potentially offer a significant challenge, which includes energy pricing, inflation, and of course the resultant resultant cost of living. Now I believe we've tackled those, are tackling those, um, but nevertheless there are remaining challenges now that the government will have to get to grips with in the next 12 months. And with some of those issues, There have absolutely been things that have been done, but in terms of looking at the island's small businesses, do you think there's any way of 
helping them to not not only be able to open new businesses here on the island, but then to be able to sustain them and actually stay open when you have issues, as you mentioned, energy price rises, cost of living crisis, and even within Douglas itself, rates. And we've just seen the rates going up again exponentially. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I know one of one business who rents a room with a toilet on it and they do nails out of it and they're paying the same rates as Marks and Spencer do. And so how is there... I mean, is there support available to really drive those and support those small businesses? So the very best thing that we can do for for small businesses is deliver on our high-level targets, which will drive a future economy more successfully forward. And that means more people living and working on the island, but also critical targets, for example, around tourism. And our ambition is to get that tourism figure up to half a million people uh, a year that will also provide a lot of small businesses with 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 an additional boost now that doesn't you know take away the need for us to keep an eye on you know what is happening in 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 that sort of micro economy if you like around certain sectors um, and you know I appreciate it has it is it is tough and and it's you know tough for a number of reasons for the reasons that, you, that you've alluded to inflation the costs of goods and things and so it's not something that we are not considering and i can tell you that you know that we are always trying to understand what can be done around connectivity for example to make sure that we can meet our high level targets but also that we can continue to get our our goods and services to, delivered to the island as appropriately as as possible and as, as cost effectively as possible um and of course, you know, where appropriate, you know, we have got evidence that we are willing to step into the market, but less so for businesses and more so for for people. Um, but we do need to try and get out of this sort of view, the post or the COVID view, don't know, that the government must step in to help every business sector in certain circumstances, because really, you know, COVID was, was, was a one-off and we've got to try and let the market, natural market, and the success of that, which we which we hope to drive by delivering on the island plan, ensuring that, that these small businesses can find ways to survive. But there's also lots of other reasons why, you know, a small business, for example, may find it difficult, and that includes competition opening up in the local area or um, <laughs> other works or, or influences that may be taking place. So I, you know, I, I, I try to stay, steer away from just picking on, on one individual example and look at the the economy more broadly and the as I said to you right at the beginning the evidence is that the economy more broadly is still doing well even though we are all feeling that and I and I acknowledge this all feeling that in, in our pockets. And well you mentioned there in terms of helping to encourage more tourism to the island and bringing that and one of the big criticisms within your administration has been in terms of investment in heritage sites and really looking after the things that make the Isle of Man the Isle of Man. Um, I know there's obviously been all of this discussion about horse trams, we had um, issues with Laxey Wheel, I know that they are in the process of being resolved but there's all of these things which do impact on the image of the island and are in some ways our key selling points. So do you feel like your administration and the island plan in itself is doing enough to embrace those and really celebrate them? Yeah, of course. I, I think, you know, we're always talking about horse trams and the Laxey Wheel and we all value our heritage and culture. 
Uh, and indeed, I think under this administration, we have got on and we've sorted out the repair issues that, that were needed, for example, with, with the Laxey Wheel, and we're continuing to support and promote uh, very successful offerings on, on the heritage railways. Um, that doesn't mean to say that, that we shouldn't examine these items and make sure that we are getting the best value from them, um, but also acknowledging they are part of our cultural heritage and we really want to try and maintain that into the longer term. But you know, they, that, that, that they are issues, they are, they are important issues, but of course our priorities really have been set, setting about recovering from COVID, delivering an economic strategy, getting the housing agenda right um, for people and, you know, absolutely these are these are important day-to-day -day issues business as usual issues that must be addressed must be looked at but also i don't want as i say say keep saying to people look keep at the high level in terms of our strategic delivery on what is going to make this island successful into the future but of course alongside that you know you're going to have important debates around around horse trams um electric railways cultural sites and things and, and and rightly so and many would say i mean yes of course look at the bigger picture and be able to see the direction that we're going in and it's great to be able to have a direction that we're going in but if we're going to be trying to diversify the economy if we're going to be trying to attract new businesses new people new workforces here we have to really show ourselves in the best possible light and have those things to be able to offer to them so I mean, can you understand it from that perspective? Of course, agreed. Yeah. I mean, I think absolutely. It's all part of our, you know, we've set the high-level objective of getting 500,000 tourists here, right? Half a million people, you know, part of that significant tourist offering, for example, will be uh, electric railways, availability, and uh, how people access it and costs, etc., associated with that. But bear in mind, everything has to be also paid for, and we've also got to be very strict now moving forward with our financial discipline. I talked about some of the threats that are, are, are upon us. I mean, I talked about the impact, and I'm very well aware of, you know, the cost, this cost of living impact, inflation, how, how it has impacted in, in the community. It's impacted on government finances as well. Um, and there is an absolute need. One of, you know, one of our core priorities next year is to get public sector spending into a very rigorous, disciplined position. Um, because I think we will all acknowledge now that the sort of post-COVID inflation, Ukraine war energy price hangover is really kicking in or impacts are really kicking in. We've seen a lot of public sector pay rise increases over the last couple of years. Uh, there's more demands for, for, for pay coming forward. There's more demands on a health service, for example. You know, and clearly we've only got a, got a limited sum of money. We've got to get this deficit back under control now. Uh, there's an overriding need to do that. And so that's absolutely one of our financial priorities. But of course, you know, so we've got to be careful about how and where we are uh, allocating and, and, and spending our, our money. So we've got to have transparency as well around all these areas and making sure that, that they are, you know, we are looking after them properly, but we are also making sure that, that we are looking after taxpayers' money properly as well. Okay, so um, one of the big topics that you're focusing on is housing and I know you mentioned that it's was it a thousand homes mm -hmm. um, over a thousand homes being built and things like that obviously the housing crisis is something that it's still being felt the, fa the effects of and a lot of people you know everyone talks about first-time buyers but in terms of renting properties as well the competition there the prices there the um, you know there's 
public sector housing and the fact that in the last 10 years, is it what, nine public sector houses have been built on the island? Um, So do you feel like there's been enough progress in trying to combat this issue for people that people can tangibly see? Well, there's been far more than nine public sector houses. I think that whether that applies to the Department of Infrastructure, but I can tell you across the local authorities, there's been far more than nine housing units built in the last de- decade. The um, uh, I think I think we still remain committed to this. I mean, that's why we have improved our planning processes. That's why we have sought to ensure and encourage that private sector building program. Um, and you know, doing that and achieving that target will go some way to alleviating the pressure. Alleviating the pressure. That's why the Manx Development Corporation has been encouraged to get on with the uh, hospital site, the old nurses' home there. They will be apartments uh, built there that will be available for key public sector workers and others in in, in key industries. So we're uh, trying to alleviate that in 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 one way. We are already declared last year that that we are proactively assessing now the creation of a housing association to free perhaps the uh, uh, the, the tackling of, of some of these housing issues up and, and releasing them from sort of direct government control and creating a more fluid and flexible body that will be able to um, react I guess more proactively to some of some of these challenges um, and of course you know, we also need to make sure that we are properly supporting the local authorities, which we do regularly in terms of the financing and loans that they need to get on and, and, and also tackle it. So look, there's still a lot to do in, in this area. I'm a little bit nervous about this word crisis. Um, I, I would say, you know, the housing challenges definitely. I mean, I absolutely accept there are challenges. I accept that cost of housing is, is a concern. But we are taking a lot of steps to make sure that there is adequate housing on this this island and that people have opportunities, opportunities, sorry, you know, to get on the housing ladder. Um, and as I say, you know, there's still quite a lot of work to be done, but, as, but I've already evidenced that we are making substantial progress towards alleviating some of those burdens. Do you feel like that progress is quick enough? Well, it's never, it's never <laughs> quick enough. Look, we're never, I, I don't think any, um, where is ever going to build enough social housing, for example, to to to, to, to satisfy um, absolute demand, um, you know? But we make sure we've got the right blend of offering, and that we are continuing to progress. So, for example, you know, not only are we building all these um, houses in the in in the private sector, and of course, a proportion of those are designed then for for first time buyers. Uh, not only are we progressing with projects like the uh, nurses' home project. You know, but we're also now increasing capacity further with the island infrastructure scheme that will see three critical brownfield sites developed. Along, along with that will come more housing. And we're going to, you know, we're reassessing at the moment effectively what more we need to do when it comes to brownfield sites. We've got the Manx Development Corporation, I know, with capacity now to look at other uh, potential projects. Uh, and I'm keen to make sure that government's coordination around its strategic asset base is also as refined as it possibly can be so that we're not holding on to sites any longer that, than we need to. And I think there's clearly some room for improvement in that area. So there's there's a lot to do. It's a major, major p- piece of work for us. And we're delivering. It's helping benefit the economy. We're building more houses for people, but more, still more is needed. 
In terms of public perception and what they see in terms of the work that's being done by government, we've seen an awful lot of reports in this administration. Um, I think, is it what, £6 million has been spent on reports so far? I think is the figure that we found. I think that's a cumulative figure. A cumulative, yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure is it just in this administration anyway. But But, yeah, and I think... While obviously it's, of course, you you need to know the situation that you're entering into to be able to think about the best possible way forward. But do you feel like it's just been report after report after report and then not so much action then taken on those said reports? Well, I think you probably need to give me a specific example. But I think this, you asked me that question, are we making progress against our island plan? The answer to that is clearly yes. And I can demonstrate that with with the high level figures. One item, for example, that hasn't had much as far as i can see much press yes it's had a bit but i think should be celebrated more we promised a new uh, educational um, assessment scheme uh, i.e we haven't had ofsted um, uh, 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 the tables put ourselves put in tables we've moved away from that for a number of years it's not really been clear how we've been measuring ourselves and one of our tasks was to get uh, in place a new quality assurance scheme for education that has now been put together the first schools will shortly be undergoing their first uh, assessments and I hope that's going to start to bring transparency to the quality of not just education but the quality of delivery in that whole sort of school environment um, so that's clearly one example I think where we've gone way beyond you know what, what we set out to do we've successfully delivered um, I think across healthcare, there's a massive transformation um, program that is being delivered. I know that doesn't get much in the way of publicity and naturally takes place behind the scenes, but that, that is happening. Of course, we delivered on um, uh, the, uh, the healthcare team that we brought in to clear up, I think, some four and a half thousand uh, or so operations for people. I met many constituents who've had those operations. They've been waiting a long time for knees, hips, etc., that's been delivered um, and you know there's plenty of other examples of where we have been out and actually delivered there is a need obviously for reports we have to bring in experts from time to time um, and you know absolutely all these processes do need review and analysis but no we, we, we're delivering and we are getting on with that island plan and the targets that we've set ourselves So in terms of with government culture, um, obviously the Roslyn Ransom Tribunal highlighted a number of issues within government. You yourself made a commitment to working towards changing culture within government. How do you feel that is progressing? Yeah, so so I set out a number of critical reaction points to whatever to 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 to, to that um, tribunal when it when it was progressing, Uh, and you know those points included non-executive directors in government, they included changing the profile and structures around the chief secretary, creating chief executive officer role, putting more accountability at the top, creating an operations performance board, looking at the HR, uh, human resources contribution and what was going on in in that respect. I would say we've made some some really good progress and you know along the way uh, proactively uh, the former interim chief executive officer, the current chief executive officer really have looked to start engaging more comprehensively across um, the workforce. So it is work in progress, but we are delivering on the commitments that that we made. I think there's still, again, there's work to do. I'm not going to shy away from that. Um, But we, our achievements today is to put in 
place the foundations to deliver more effective outcomes. And I think this is the important thing. What we want you know, is, a, is, is a motivated, committed workforce who are delivering the best possible outcomes for the public that we look after and, and serve on a daily basis. The majority of the Isle of Man government job adverts I see are, they say, live, work, thrive on the Isle of Man. Do you feel confident that people can do that within the government now? Yeah, I do. I mean, you know, these are, it's, it's quite it's a high-pressured environment. I don't take away, but particularly in some of the frontline services, um, it is, it can be difficult and we can see those problems. Um, you know, patient workloads and things, for example, in the health service, increased security threats for, for the police service, for example. So, you know, and, and of course, you know, te teachers and teaching staff, you've got a post-COVID recovery, I guess, that's going on within the education system there and you know, concerns, I guess, from all of us. So arising numbers of, of children who are being put into or labelled into different different categories and things and you know potential mental health um, issues so it's a challenge it's a challenge for frontline workers right they've got my admiration and respect I'll tell you what we have done um, is that we have tried to create a better environment for them we've certainly tried to make sure that we've maturely and properly addressed pay um, as you know there was a long-going teachers dispute for example I think under this administration we have reached um, I hope a proper mature position um, with with the teaching teaching unions, the schools, and you know slowly but surely they are starting to recover after quite a lot of period of of disruption. Um, but as I say, you know there's still still a, a lot ongoing beyond that. But I guess the critical point within that is that people feel comfortable in their working environment. Again, um, we have improved as part of that r response to the rants and affair the whistleblowing procedures processes within government now we've got clear clarity on on hotlines and how things will be um, investigated so you know in a workforce of seven and a half thousand plus people uh, across a wide range of disciplines and service areas um, there's always going to be um, problems I guess I don't think you're ever going to have a absolutely perfect environment. I think the critical point is though that when we find those problems, where we recognise them, that we try to do something about it and try to get get, get them resolved. And you know, that that's my aim and my ambition. And and you know, there's always a lot to do. And I guess the other the other critical point is to make sure we are investing some time in our people uh, and making sure that people are receiving proper time and attention, whatever um, place they hold within the public service, but also that our leaders and, and managers are also getting the proper support and the right training as well to tr ensure that they properly are, are trained properly to look, to look after people. Within the Council of Ministers, obviously, I know with the Southern Pool itself is kind of its own issue, but it kind of highlighted the fact that there isn't actually a Southern MHK within the Council of Ministers. <laughs> Can you understand why the South may feel like it's been forgotten about, which is a direct quote that people have said to us in light of the Southern Pool? Um, well, I don't, look, I don't blame Southern MHKs for supporting their community. Um, some of the language, I think, has probably not been that, that appropriate. I think... You know, it's, we, we, we're delivering an island plan for everybody. This is a one government, one nation approach. And I think everybody's receiving appropriate investment. And sure, I mean, I think a bit of frustration has crept into the Southern Swimming Pool issue. 
think the important thing now is that, that we've got clarity on, on the Castle Russian plans. They have been brought to life. They have been floating around actually for, for, for almost 12 months. In fact, yeah. they're virtually 12 months. Um, perhaps they've just not been, been brought to life. And, you know, we've done that. We've done that now. And I think, you know, this clear evidence I can point to, uh, you know, certainly the island infrastructure scheme, which is bringing investment down, down, to, down to Port Aaron, for, for example. Um, the amount of roadworks that I see going on, you know, across the island, not just in certain areas. And, you know, it's, listen, this is, you know, I, we're a very strong United Island, Isle of Man. Um, and you've seen that in COVID, you know, we're um, absolutely together. And you know, we take a responsible, I take a very, council takes a very responsible view in terms of making sure that we're delivering for everybody on the island. Are the recent green shoots of economic growth a sign that all is well in the government garden or merely the expected bounce that follows the forced economic constraint of COVID restrictions? I'm Phil Gorn. Thanks for listening.